You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last week, we hope. Uh, The Combine is upon us. The Underwear Olympics, if you will. Uh, You'll hear terms like workout warrior. Uh, It'll also be a week where grown men are talking about other grown men having uh, loose hips or uh, oily hips. (laughs) there's probably a bunch of other terms as well. One of my personal favorites, and I know Rich Eisen loves it, is football on a stick, where the coach kind of, you know, there's no center, and the offensive line reacts to the ball moving. So anyway, you get into like this nerdy stuff if you're guys like us, and if you're listening to us, you probably are. So uh, anyway, I'm bringing my pal Alex, uh, knows all about the combine and scouting these guys and some of these terms. I don't know. Alex, is there some terms that uh, stick out in your mind that uh, are only used in that particular setting? Hand size, low hand size for quarterbacks. Haven't heard, haven't heard the first thing about that. Probably not till Saturday because the quarterbacks haven't tested yet. But yeah, that's a good one. I mean, that's that's usually a, a very silly thing. I mean, like in terms of you know how big are his hands terms of what Kyler Murray or Teddy Bridgewater or Jared Goff, whatever. I mean, uh, everybody has kind of gone through it, and I'm sure some of the quarterbacks will will go through it during this combine as well. You know, my only regret. Joe Joe Burrow had their small hands. Kenny Pickett, sure. You know, I remember, obviously, I've been to the the Shrine game and the the Senior Bowl and the Tropical Bowl. You know, I've been to all the All-Star games. My only regret is never making it to Indy, never making it for the scouting combine. And that's, that's, you know, one of the things that I kind of regret that I never did because I thought it would be, you know, a great time even to sit with the guys in those rooms and just talk to them, you know, interview them. Uh, not like the big time prospects, obviously the quarterbacks have, you know, they go through the major networks and talk to, you know, all the, the big stars there, but you know, the, the smaller guys, they're under the radar guys, the sleepers, you know, the small school guys, it would have been nice to, to talk to them and just sit down and, and find out some things, you know, like talk to the future stars, because I remember like at the senior bowl, always people lined up to talk to the big schools, right? Like USC, Michigan, you know, Ohio State. But I was always one of the guys that tried to speak with those players that might be those early risers, you know, guys under the radar, guys that could make uh, some noise during the week. And I always felt like I could I could be ahead of the average Joe media because I've seen these guys play. And so I could... You know, say like who could stand out during the week. And I always had good luck with that because obviously you're not going to get an interview with Aaron Donald or, you know, the bigger quarterbacks like the Justin Herberts. But you try to kind of pinpoint and get those guys that are kind of flying under the radar. And it would have been cool to do the same thing at the scouting combine. 
Yeah, well, they're all there for a reason. I mean, if you've been invited to any of those, you know, you've got some talent. There's a, you know, there's a strong likelihood that hood that you're, you know, going to get drafted or at least be a, you know, a high value UDFA or somebody that's going to have a chance to make a roster. So, yeah, you kind of, you know, you got to you got <laughs> to find your niche. And I know for uh, fans of this show going back, you, you know, a few years, even this year, doing some some player interviews. I mean, typically they are guys off the beaten path. But, you know, sometimes you get guys like Isaiah Likely and, and Alec Pierce. And there have been many others, but those are the two that stick out in my mind. They've been most recent that uh, actually are contributing to their teams and uh, playing really well. So, uh and again, the other thing to stress, and you know, you hear it a million times, this is just one piece of the scouting puzzle. There are going to be guys that wow you, the workout warriors, like I mentioned before, that just like, oh my God, this guy just looks the part. He's so explosive, all these, all these other things. And maybe some of these guys that maybe weren't that highly regarded, and you see that, and from a scouting perspective, and you can bear me out on this, Alex, is it kind of forces you to go, well, let's go back and look at these guys on film. Did it, does it transfer? Is it just today or in this particular setting that they're, uh, you know, showing how explosive they are? Does it, 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 it didn't show up on tape. So there's got to be some reason for that. So there's, there's all sorts of different pieces of this. Like you said, the all-star games, the game tape, and obviously the, the testing combine, you got pro days. So a lot goes into, you know, how these guys get picked. Um, the medicals. And you mentioned, you know, not being able to go. And I think you see like the combine is changing, you know, I mean, and, and this is like the first true test. If you got this first wave of NIL babies if you would or nil players and especially caleb williams the presumed number one pick where he comes in hell dude's probably made 10 or 15 million dollars already right all 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 the big ads the the nissan heisman house wendy's dr pepper and I'm sure a bunch of other stuff being in L.A., you know, lived in a you know, very nice apartment in L.A., not not anywhere, not anywhere near. Well, I'm sure it was near campus, but it certainly wasn't on campus. So and he's not going to work out. And I think one of the more amazing things that I heard is that he's not he's not submitting to the medicals, which I think that's got to be a first or at least the first I've heard of it. So, you know, things are changing a little bit. Um, on Good Morning Football today, uh, Peter Schrager, he was at Indianapolis for the early part of the week, and he'll be back there for the weekend. But he's back in New York, and he had this video where no bull set up like this whole workout facility with a, you know, they put in turf somewhere, you know, away from the field so the guys can warm up for their 40s they've got bikes they've got weight you know weights you know all sorts or all sorts of stuff where that they hadn't been before where you know you'd see guys warming up in the hallways of either the hotel the convention center you know somewhere near the stadium so i don't know alex i i it's not your it's not your dad's combine anymore right it's not. I mean, it definitely isn't. I mean, obviously things are changing. Even 
as you mentioned, even in the last couple of years, the the combine has changed. I mean, these kids are are dictating to NFL teams, you know, where they want to play and uh, under which circumstances do they want to, you know, measure their hands and their weight and, you know, and throw and stuff like that. So I'm curious to see, like, as everyone else, like, uh, what's Jaden Daniels' weight, like actual weight, like, uh, how is he tipping the scales? I think that's going to be like the huge question mark here. Like if he comes in at like 210, I think people are going to be excited. They're like, whoa, I mean, he, he's he's been eating something. So I think that's going to be a huge thing. And I want to see like Michael Penix. I want to see Penix um, eventually will come out. But I guess it's the medical part of it. You know, I think that's going to dictate a lot of things because I think some teams might be uncomfortable with some of the things that, that come out. Obviously, uh, you know, I I want to see like J.J. McCarthy. I mean, he's in this, uh, you know, setting. Nobody's working out, but he is. And I think this is an opportunity for him to make some noise. I mean, to show that he's capable of making some throws because at Michigan... I mean, it's no secret. It was a run-first offense, so he, he wasn't asked to do a lot of things. But if you dig deeper into his statistics, like on third and long, like what he did in those crucial situations, his accuracy numbers, I think people are like pleasantly surprised. You just have to kind of dig deeper a little bit into the tape. And, and not be so biased about it that yeah, you don't see some of the throws. But you do. If you stay patient, I mean, the kid shows some things. And I think that could be an interesting story as well. And obviously, a lot of it is going to depend on how well the quarterbacks interview. Because those things will come out. Those things will leak eventually from the combine. And teams can't keep that a secret. There will be some things that just you know, come to the surface. So I think those are the things that I'm always interested in, just the medicals and the interviews. Because even if you have 15 minutes with the kid, you, know, you still have a chance to kind of meet and greet him and get a feel for him, you know, as far as these guys that are very um, in tune, general managers, you know, VPs, directors of the you know scouting personnel. So... I mean, I think those guys can read kids like that. They they see right through it. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think, you know, most of the reason why uh, the Combine was ever concocted was to, to basically, it's a testing piece, right? Where, so, and part of it is interviews. I don't know. Did, I don't, did they... Did they get rid of the wonder look? I know they got rid of that cognitive test that uh, supposedly C.J. Stroud blew last year. And then obviously that held a lot of weight that really uh, made him <laughs> to be made him out to be not such a great player. And all he does is go out, win rookie of the year and kind of change the franchise. But uh, but yeah, the, the the interviews. Yeah. In 15 minutes, you can you can learn a lot. I mean, there's body language. Now, again, if you're these higher draft picks, you're going to. You can bring 30 as many as 30 guys into your facility and you're going to have a lot more time. But that's kind of, the, I think, the first opportunity at those higher ups that you mentioned, Alex, like the coaches and the GM to sit in front of the player where it was, you know, the the area scouts and so forth. They're, you know, 
boots on the ground. So they've seen the kid. They've talked to the kid, maybe even for a couple of years, three years, depending on how long they were in college. And some of these uh, COVID guys, maybe six or seven years. But um, anyway, get any idea of how, you know, how competitive they truly are to see just even just to watch them. They said, that, I guess there's like a almost like a viewing area where they can look down into like uh, the, the 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 front office guys or coaches or whatever. They can kind of look down into the cafeteria and watch how they eat. Who you know, are they sitting with other guys or they are they sitting there, you know, on their phone the whole time or they have you know like a headset on, sitting alone and just away from everybody else or are they just interacting with people and just kind of being present in the moment, trying to enjoy the whole thing. So these are a lot you can learn. You mentioned the size of, of, of Jade and Daniels. Now they'll like on NFL network, you, you'll see. And I, this morning I just happened to notice they'll show like clips of guys that are walking because everything is indoors, right? I mean, the convention center is connected to the hotel that's connected to, to Lucas oil. So these kids don't even have to go outside if they don't want to, but anyway, you got these huge hallways and they're walking down and the quarterbacks were coming in this morning, heading to medicals or whatever they were doing. And Jaden Daniels, he looks small, Alex, to your point, he's tall. But he, I mean, he, his shoulders were, I mean, he just didn't, he, just the eye test, just me. I mean, I don't know what I'm looking for. But I just, I can just saw walking in with some of the other guys and he just looks very, very slight and slender. The dude is a crazy player on the field. You know, we've talked about this before. And I mean, even at Arizona State, I mean, I, he was one of my favorite players to watch. Now it was all over the board. He wasn't, you know, nearly what he did at LSU, but you could see that there's some, there was something to this kid. And then on top of that, I mean, you talk about that Arizona state team. I mean, he's thrown to like Johnny Wilson and Pearsall who are both considered, you know, I don't know if they're going to be first round picks, probably not, might not even be second round picks, but they will be third, third or fourth round picks in this draft. And then he goes to LSU and he's thrown to neighbors and Brian Thomas. Too. So he's had receivers everywhere he's been and he's delivered, especially at LSU and obviously wins the Heisman. But yeah, absolutely. He just looks small. So, you know, does do the commanders want to go down that road again? I mean, it's, it's gotta be now, again, it's a whole new you know, ownership and whatever, but I'm just, I can't get RG three out of my mind. Right. I mean, slender can sling it, can run. I mean, a lot of, a lot of similarities and just the injuries. It just, I, I don't, I just don't want to see him go to Washington for some reason, because it just seems like history repeating itself. But anyway, a uh, couple other terms I forgot, and two of uh, Mike Mayock, and I, I really miss Mike Mayock. Uh, the knee bender versus the waist bender. Alex, speak to that and why that's important. Well, I mean, it's it's important to to keep your leverage out there, especially for those guys in the trenches, especially for offensive linemen. I just. I think there's, it's all about technique. I mean, some guys are just better at it than others. They were just better coached. You see it like at the, the senior bowl practices a lot. I mean, guys get too high and they lose that leverage battle. I mean, you got to stay low. I mean, that's that's the most important thing in, in, in football and in just in general. 
the low man always wins and you got to get down and you just you drive you know with with your upper strength and your lower body and you get into it i just i remember two guys and i remember to this day it just stood out because those guys rose low and this was at the shrine game when it was still called the shrine game it was in saint pete i remember your boy toonie and i remember graham glasgow so the michigan product and the nc state product and i remember glasgow being the center and toonie being the left guard and when those guys popped in practice whether it was without shoulder pads or whether it was with the full equipment on you know they just it looked like an nfl game you know they they looked like they were ready to go out there and perform on sunday on that day they just looked a lot more different than the rest of the guys that were at the at the shrine game the guys that they were going against and they were together because Tooney was a, again a left guard Glasgow was center they were lining up and they were just blowing off the ball and they were so well coached like technically wise I mean they were knee benders you know and they just drove those defensive linemen off the line of I could run through that hole low I was so big I mean, they just opened up a huge hole and you could score touchdowns on it like every time if you needed to. And that was really impressive just because you see that. I mean, some guys just have the power, the lower body, the upper strength, and they're just very technically sound. And they were really good knee benders. And I remember it to this day. I don't remember like guys standing out to me at the senior bowl that much, probably because I was in the bleachers. And a lot further away at the Shrine game, you were up there, like near the sideline, and you could see these guys. But to this day, I just remember those two guys. And I just, it, I, I, I said to myself, like, why aren't these guys at the Senior Bowl? I mean, these guys belong with the big boys. Because at the Shrine game, they were just blowing it up for like three days straight. And you just say, like, those guys are going to be starters for a very long time. Length, uh, obviously, is a, is another one, and I, I appreciate you kind of pu- pointing that out, Alex, and, and that example is great. Obviously, both those guys have become, you know, top-notch offensive linemen in, in the league, and, uh, you know, it, it all starts somewhere, and obviously for them, it started when they were kids, but in terms of scouting that, you know, a lot of people that were there, may that may have been the first time that they saw those guys. And they're thinking the same thing you are. What the, you know, what, who missed on, on these guys? So anyway, uh, so length is another term, you know, he's long. You'll hear that a lot, especially, you know, wingspan, uh, especially with, with corners, you know, in terms of the type of corner that, that they are, you know, do they have loose hips? Do they have the, the, uh, the arm length, you know, the I mean, all, all sorts of things, but uh, just different nerdy things that, that we look at. Now, also, Alex, you mentioned, uh, you know, the top three quarterbacks, I don't believe, are, are going to work out at all. OK, meaning Caleb, uh, Drake May, Jaden Daniels. But the more interesting group, like you said, is going to be that second group of McCarthy, Penix, Bo Nix. 
they will be throwing on on Saturday and they will be doing all the drills. So it should be interesting. You know, can they separate themselves? And I think the most intriguing and I'm, you know, probably the last person, you know, out of like hundreds of people say this is this may be. Uh, the most intriguing story of the combine is J.J. McCarthy, like you said, is because he, you know, he didn't get, you know, all the shots on goal that some of these other guys got that, you know, maybe they're throwing the ball 20 to 25 times a game or they have a game at Penn State where they don't throw a pass in the second half. You know, and it just it, you know, it's just that whole Michigan Harbaugh mentality, even though he'll you know he's the first one to say he's the best quarterback he's ever had uh he doesn't wouldn't be surprised if he was the first one off the board which it would blow everybody away if that was to happen and i i don't think there's any chance that he's the first one off the board but with those three guys you mentioned Penix, it's the medicals bo Nix, i don't know what to make of this guy i again to me maybe i'm just biased from his time at auburn is Yes, there are late bloomers. And yes, I mean, he's started 61 games in college football, which is just ridiculous. I mean, no one will ever come close to that again, I don't think. Um, Because typically, if you've started like 30 or so, you're typically gone. You're out. I mean, you've kind of arrived or you're good enough to go to the draft and be in the league or whatever. You don't have the, the, the COVID year and all this other stuff. But, you know, of those three guys... I guess, which one do you think has the, the, the most potential or who do you think, furthermore, is, I guess, the most pro-ready, if that's a, if that's a thing? Out of Bo Nix, JJ, NX, and Nix, yeah. I'm more of a believer in JJ McCarthy, uh, just because Penix scares me because of his medicals. I mean, obviously, I've talked about this. He toughed Injured it out. every year at Indiana. Yeah, that that's a tough one for me. I'm sure some things will surface there, and uh, I'm just gonna leave it at that. Bo Nix scares me as well, Lo. I mean, with all due respect, I mean he did well at Oregon, but he just flamed out at Auburn, and it's not like I'm seeing a different type of quarterback. I don't. He didn't do enough for me at the Senior Bowl. Like I watched some highlights, some tape. And uh, he didn't do enough as far as completing, you know, those downfield throws. He didn't answer any questions for me. I don't see a first-rounder. So I think McCarthy is the guy that can help himself significantly because those top three guys, they're kind of like bunched in together. And then you've got these next three guys, they're kind of bunched in together. And I just think McCarthy can separate himself into this middle ground. Maybe some team in the middle of the first round will, you know, take a chance on him. I don't think he's not a top 10 guy, okay? I mean, I've seen some mocks out there. To me, he's not a top 10 guy. But why not? I mean, for a team like the Raiders, sitting at 13, you don't have any better options. Denver. Denver. Hell, hell, Minnesota, if they don't bring Cousins back. Because you got 11, 12, 13. I think those that's kind of like maybe a little sweet spot. I mean, if he elevates, I think that's probably his ceiling in this draft would be like between 11 and 13, right? Because New Orleans, eh, I don't know. I mean, obviously Indianapolis has their guy. Then you get to like Seattle at 16. You might have some opportunity there. 
and then maybe Pittsburgh at 20, but I think they probably want to go with uh, more of a vet. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think 11 would be the ceiling, and that's only if Cousins doesn't come back to Minnesota. Yeah, I think that would be interesting to see. So that's the guy from Michigan that could make a lot of noise during this week. As you mentioned, the top three guys aren't working out. So the next guy in line, the the fourth quarterback on the board by most accounts, that's the guy that can help himself. And you know that all eyes are going to be on him just because, hey, he is working out and he's the next best guy. So uh, I believe uh, McCarthy could be that riser that people will be talking about after the combine. The next guy I would say that maybe has not not like he's going to go in the first round or anything like that, but maybe break that break into that second group is a kid like Spencer Rattler because, you know, he was everything to everybody coming out of high school, goes to Oklahoma, doesn't quite work out the way, you know, he, he thought it would goes to South Carolina and you don't really hear much about him because, you know, they're kind of like a middling team in, in the sec, but I got to believe that talent is still there. And I don't know. I mean, do you have any opinion on him or do you think he can maybe bust into that group? I don't think so. I think Rattler is kind of like one of those guys. He's going to be a day three guy either way. And it okay. just, it, it depends like how he interviewed at the senior bowl. Like are, are people buying into him not reaching his full potential? And, you know, a lot of people talked him up as the number one overall pick early on in his career, right? When he was a freshman, yeah. like, you right. know, he, he took Oklahoma by storm and, he won some games and he did some you know, impressive things on his resume, but then it just all fell apart. And I'm not saying I don't think he resurrected his career at South Carolina. So um, I do not believe that Rattler is going to move up into day two territory, but I do think he's an option in the fourth, fifth round. And and I always have guys right Lou, I always like sleepers like last year. I, I liked uh, who did I like? I like O'Connell right two years ago I liked Purdy so I'll uh, you know when we talk about the draft I'll have a sleeper for you a guy that I believe is, is going to get drafted somewhere on day three and and might outperform his uh, you know his draft stock but I'm not ready to say it yet another interesting one that I think he's working on it. I know he was invited. I don't know where he is injury wise, but his name's on the list is Jordan Travis because, you know, we haven't seen him play football in a while. He got injured at the end of the season. He may not be ready to work out, but I think he was invited. Uh, I would imagine he's at very least taking place in, in the interview process of things. But, you know, if he was able to be on the field, that would be an interesting one to look at because you know up until that point of the season i mean he's pretty i thought he was pretty highly regarded i mean undefeated team brought it you know got them out got him out of some hot water in a few games and it looked like he was kind of coming into his own especially you know with the the you know the, the transfers and keon coleman and and johnny wilson i mean obviously give him give him some weapons and you know he, he performed. So uh, that's, that's another interesting one to me. Um, any thoughts on him as a prospect or 
at this point? Yeah, it's tough, Lou. I mean, it really is. Like, when we're talking about guys coming off, like, you know, an injury, I mean, how do you... I don't know. It's always tough for me. Like, um, last year, Hooker, right? Still went in the third round. Yeah. And I think there was some hype surrounding him that, hey, maybe he deserves to be a first-round pick. Like, a late first-round pick. There was some media storm about it. Like, some people were putting him in the in the mock drafts at the end of the first round. I just, I think it's a very tough evaluation for me. Like if, if we're talking about a guy that's projected like as a day three guy, maybe at, at best, right? Uh, and he has this injury and he's not going to work out. I mean, I, I'm going to take him off my board. I don't know. I mean, I, I would feel comfortable bringing him in as an undrafted free agent, but I don't think I'll um, try to spend a, a draft pick on a quarterback that's, you know, that's recovering and it wasn't projected to be like a top five pick. Right. So uh, I don't yeah. know. I, and again, well, yeah, like, I'm, I'm putting you on the spot here. We, there's a lot of information we don't have. Right. And I the mean, scouting, the medicals, the, the yeah, scouting the combine for him is going to be huge. Louis and the scouting combine, we're talking about quarterbacks, right? But my God, I mean, they're throwing with shorts on, okay? They're throwing to wide open wide receivers. I mean, it's, I guess it's a little bit better than the pro day because they. they well, for him, for him, just because he's been injured, I, I guess would be the, would be the true thing. And some of these guys, like you said, the throwing piece of it, you know, just to, Again, one small piece, but, you know, for, for the guys that we, I guess we're focusing on, J.J., because he really, you know, wasn't asked to do a ton. Now, obviously, the leadership portion of it, guys, I think he's lost like one or two games like in his life. So you got to factor that into it. And, you know, some of the guys that have been injured and especially a guy like Jordan Travis that, you know, is a name, big time school they were undefeated, so whatever. Um, now, you mentioned Hendon Hooker. Now, does Joe Milton fall under a similar type, well, scrutiny, not so much about the injury, but coming from that offense at Tennessee that is kind of unique, you know, when, when it comes right down to it. You know, do you get, you know, a fair assessment of watching their game tape on how this guy's skills may transfer to the NFL because he's got a rocket for an arm. Doesn't quite have the wheels some of these other guys have, but I mean, he just, he just looks the part, right? So it, do you think that offense hinders these guys like a Hendon Hooker now Joe Milton? Definitely. I mean, he another guy that, that failed at his first stop in Michigan – he was a prized recruit, and you know he played what in a pro-style offense. It just never clicked for him. Then he goes to Tennessee, and again, I mean, the the result is up for the taking. I mean, obviously, it inflates your stats, your completion percentage. I mean, heck, I can have you know an over sixty percent completion percentage playing for Tennessee. Hello, I mean, it's like I I believe I could do it today. At 42 years old, Lo, I believe I could do it. Um, I just think that, yeah, it's just... Uh, Milton is going to impress people because this is his setting. I mean, he can throw, like, from his knees, you know, 90 yards. He's got, like, a rocket. And I'm sure he'll do it at the pro day. Uh, 
they won't let them do it at the scouting combine. <laughs> but I mean, uh, it's just it, well, it's they amazing. had jo- Josh Allen loaded one up at the at the combine. Uh, I think it was like the last throw of the day, especially for him. And I don't know, they say maybe like 70, 80 yards in the air. Well, Milton uh, can so. do the same. Low, I oh, mean, yeah. that's yeah. yeah he's, he's, he's gonna he's, he's gonna look great time. with shorts on and. He's just gonna he's gonna show off his rocket and it's gonna draw a few oohs and ahs, I'm sure, from you know, from those people watching up there. Well, speak speaking of forty two years old, uh well, forty five years old, Tom Brady, I think yesterday posted a video. Uh he shaved a, a full tenth of a second off his forty time from his combine. At 45 years old, 518, the one clock had it at, another one, 5.12. So there you go. Age doesn't matter, Alex. You can get better. He's like fine wine, Lo. He's getting younger. <laughs> he is like running better. I mean, Benjamin he's, he's dropped some weight. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like the, the reverse he's, cycle. He's I gotta aging read, backwards. I got to read that book, Lo. I got to read that book because, I mean, there's TB12, some good stuff. TB12, yeah. Yeah, there's got to be some good stuff there. I, I got to take note, Low, because absolutely, hey, I got to take note. So, so another fact, I mean, just kind of a, a trivial piece, but it just seems amazing to me that Michigan, 18 guys at the combine. It's a record. Previously, LSU 2020 had 16 and a bunch were close to that. But I mean, there was a big gap in years going back to like some of the Miami teams and Florida State. But Michigan, 18 guys. That's that's just amazing to me. Um, okay, so wide receivers. I mean, the 40 is like the thing. That's like the TV piece of this, and, and it's the entertainment piece. Most people watching don't understand what they're watching when, when they're watching the drills. You kind of think you do, but unless you're in it, you really don't. But you can understand what the guy's running fast. And, the, and what the clock says. So uh, I'm looking at these wide receivers and there are so many of them. And I think, I don't know that there's a lot of consensus outside again of the top three or four. Then there's like a bunch to me about, about 12 or 15 guys that is going to vary, which I guess makes it really intriguing, not just for the combine, but moving forward as we get closer to the draft. Um, I mean, I'm just now obviously uh, looking at this receiver group pretty closely because that's the, the top need of the, the two time champs here. Uh, and they just cut MVS. So uh, but again, we, we knew that was coming. That was too, way too big of a number. But looking at a bunch of these guys, I mean, I could see I could see. I don't know, six or seven first rounders out of this wide receiver group. What do you think? I think you're right. Uh, I I do think that's pretty accurate out there. By the way, will the Chiefs? They won't spend a first round pick on a on a wide receiver. I mean, after that whole Macklin they thing typi- with the they Eagles when Andy Reid was there, I I just don't think they will. But do you think like who's your favorite guy on day two that you believe fits the the Chiefs' offensive system? Who's your who's your favorite? Well, guy? It, again, I mean, wide receiver. I mean, you got all sorts of different flavors, right? You know, you, you're looking for you're looking for the the deep ball guy because that's the one thing that seems like has been missing from the offense since they got 
since they uh, traded Tyree Kill. And you look at all the different speed guys here. Again, I don't know. It, it's hard to see who lands where. So if you're looking at the second round, which seems like is Veach's round for wide receivers, the last three he's picked have come in the second round. Hardman, uh, Sky Moore, and Rasheed Rice. Now they moved up a little bit to get Rice. They're picking at 32. They're picking again at 64. Either they trade that first pick back into the top of the second round and maybe get one of these guys, or they're going to have to come up from 64, maybe into the middle part of the second round. Uh, I, I've got a, I mean, I've got a ton of guys sitting here. You know, if somebody like, you know, uh, I'm just trying to think of who might drop. You know, Troy Franklin from from Oregon. I mean, he's probably going to go like from somewhere between 20 and 32. So he's not, he may not be there. Uh, I really, really like Roman Wilson from Michigan. Again, not a ton of shots on goal because of exactly what we talked about with JJ McCarthy, but it seemed like every time they needed a big play, that's where they were going, especially in the playoffs. Got a lot of speed. I thought he had an amazing week at the senior bowl from, you know, the TV coverage, you know, during the week, the practices that I watched, I really like him. So I don't know how the rest of the league sees him. Is he bottom of the first round guy or is he a mid second, but I'm hoping it's more of a mid second and either they come up from 64 or down from 32, but that I think, that's the guy that I would look at if it's if they're looking for that deep shot guy at that at that level of the draft. So Roman Wilson, number one, Michigan Wolverines. Well, another champ, gonna, another another champion. I think he's going to be available like in the third round. I, I really do believe in that. the third round. Really, yeah, I do, I do. Just okay. because I don't think, you know, with wide receivers, you look at production, and it's it's unfair. Because it's a running offense. He didn't get a lot of chances. But he didn't, like, tear it up, Lou. I mean, yeah, he shined in the playoffs and stuff like that. But I think you expected a little bit more out of him in general just during his well, career. He was a good player, not they're a not, great they're not, they're not really throwing the ball a ton. I mean, it wasn't like he was getting, like, 80, 90 balls every every season. I mean, he was, I, I don't know, like 40 or 50 Right. I mean, and it, it wasn't, wasn't like there was it somebody, it was, but he was their leading receiver without those numbers being that small. So again, I hear what you're saying, you know, sample size is small and you typically like to see a little bit more, you know, is a, again, I, Lad McConkey looks like a guy that, you know, could be in that, in that area too. I thought he was good. I, I think the other two guys at Washington are damn good receivers as well. Jalen, uh, Jalen Polk and Jalen McMillan. Now, I think Polk is probably rated a little bit higher, but again, I I don't know value wise if they're they're up quite that high, second or third round. You know, Tez Walker did not have a really good week at the Senior Bowl, but you know he had for the opportunities he did get to play, had some production in North Carolina. So that's, so that's another one. Um, I mean, hell I'm looking, I'm looking at this list again. I don't, I don't value wise 
where these guys land. I think Brendan Rice, not a speed guy, but if they wanted another big body wide receiver and really take advantage of the, the underneath stuff or just keep playing the way they're playing, he would be perfect, I think. Um, but again, that, that might be more in the second, third, maybe even fourth round area. Um, a, a kid that's a little polarizing. I don't know if you know much about him, Alex, but a kid from uh, UTSA. And I think um, uh, Rashida is his agent. His name is Joshua Cephas. Now, he's got some issues. I mean, he had a DWI while he was at uh, UTSA, but he's 6'3", got some speed. I'm looking at him like day probably a day three pick, but if they're, you know, they've taken shots on guys that have had some issues in college in the past, that could be like a late round pick, but I don't know. Do you know much about him? I do. I mean, I watched him play. I mean, I really do. And you're right. There are some character concerns there in terms of just, you know, where he is. And um, I think that's, that's going to be the major thing, like how well he interviews. Right. But he had a great season. He had a great yeah. season in 2023, and I think, you know, he's been a guy that that has consistently produced at UTSA, and that's a program that's been on the rise, right, the last couple of years, and and the guy has been the, you know, the main go-to guy. He's got good size, low, and uh, touchdowns. You know, you look at guys that can perform in the red zone, and, and this guy certainly has it, so that's an interesting guy, but I think he's he's... There, like you said, character concerns, and I think he's going to be an, as an undrafted free agent. That's just my feeling about it, and not because he's from UTSA. I just think that uh, there's some. No, I mean, they've been, I mean, Tar- you know, Tariq Woolen got got drafted from there. You know, the defensive back for Seattle. I and mean, obviously, I mean, he runs like a four-two. This is a, that was going to stand out regardless, but uh, but no, I mean, they, that's a that's a program that's uh, certainly been coming along over the last few years, and they're getting more and more looks at, at all the different positions. But yeah, that's again, you gotta you gotta dig in. That's where the, that's where those player interviews come up. That's where the background checks come up. You know, was it just a one-time thing? Is this an issue that he's had for a while? Does he need help? You know, so a lot of things there. But, you know, some of the other names, A.D. Mitchell, of course, transfer from Georgia to Texas. I mean, a lot of speed, length. So there's there's a bunch of guys. But again, it hasn't been like like you said, Alex, it's not really Veach's M.O. is to go in a wide receiver, uh, a really skilled position in the in the first round. And it depends. Okay, now is the way they're talking, it looks like Sneed is either tagged, traded, both. He's not going to play for that franchise tag. At least that's the way it sounded when Veach was talking. So, okay, now all of a sudden, do they they want to – they've got corners that they've been drafting over the last few years. Is there a corner that falls? Uh, hell, if there's a, a an offensive lineman – that can play left tackle that falls. Certainly that's, that's where they're going to look. So uh, a lot of different ways they can go and there's free agency. So I don't want to get too bogged down in all of that, but uh, yeah, any number, any one of those wide receivers could certainly fit. And if they don't fit, they're plenty, 
it's going to be between between the ears. If they can if they can kind of assimilate that offense, and you saw it took Rasheed Rice kind of half the season to really figure things out the way they do things, and uh, you know being able to read routes on the fly. I don't think that's any easy thing. I mean, a lot of these college programs, you know, you're you look to the sideline, you see the signal, you run the route, and that's just the that's just the way they play. They now you're in the huddle, they're reading off like a play that might be like 40 words long, and then you got to read the defense, and then you also have to understand, you know, what what the quarterback likes and where he's, you know, where he's, you know, looking while you're running your route, and it's yeah. So there's so much to it, but I, I think a lot of it is between the ears, and we, yeah, I don't have, you know, I guess the ability to to know that. But just from looking at the guys, I, I would say those those are some those are some good ones. But again, if it's a fir- if they do at thirty two, I'm looking at like I said, guys like Ad Mitchell, Troy Franklin, um, hell, even if they if they like him, and I thought he's not getting a lot of, a lot of love, but Xavier Leggett from South Carolina, I thought looked like a good player, so. I promised our listeners that I was going to give them a name, right, yes. last week. All right. A guy that I believe will move up into the first round. And again, he's kind of a borderline guy right now. I think he's a – well, I have him ranked in the top 50, all right, at this point. I think he's like 45 or something like that on my board just in general. But I think after this combine, he's – He's going to move up into the first round, and I think eventually he's going to get drafted in the 20s somewhere because we've seen guys like that make moves. And I'm talking about a guy that, that's just incredibly fast, and he might have the fastest time as far as wide receivers are concerned, but maybe as DBs. He might be the fastest guy there, Low. So drum roll, Low. Um, I'm going to go with the Texas Longhorn, Xavier Worthy. I think yeah. he's going to run somewhere in the in the high four twos. You know, he's a guy that's. I looked it up in high school. He's like, he ran ten fifty five. I mean, he's incredibly oh, yeah. he's fast. Got, he's got world class speed. But the thing is, it's more than just speed. He's been very productive since his freshman season. I know the Chiefs aren't going to look at him because he, he's skinny. I mean, he's about one hundred and seventy two pounds. I honestly think they would. It's the thing that, again, just from my perspective, is just I have too much PTSD from drops, and it just seems like once a game he gets loose, and for some reason or other, I don't know, he loses concentration, whatever it is. I've just maybe I've seen every one of his drops. Maybe there aren't that many, but it just seems like every game there's one that just like, and I just, it's just like, oh my god, not again, <laughs> not again. But the thing is, it's more than just being a having world-class speed or being a very good athlete. He's very versatile. He's got a vast route tree. You know, he sinks his hips, and he's got that, that twitch ability, you know, just coming out. And he's a separator, though. I know he's skinny. I get it. He's probably not going to measure more than 180 pounds. I get it. But I've seen Philip Dorsett make a move. Uh, he was drafted, you know, in the first round. He also had dropsies at Miami. Teams love speed. They're always infatuated by it, by guys that can stretch it. And especially a guy that can line up as an outside receiver or in the slot. 
Uh, he just, you know, he, he's got something to him as far as that. He's got great acceleration, and, you know, he's a good athlete, and he's a much better route runner than I think people give him credit for. I think he runs a full route tree. So, And he's been very productive since, since his freshman season. Again, it's not like he's my favorite wide receiver. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that he's a guy that's going to make a move at the combine, and I believe eventually he's going to be a first-round pick. Okay, the X Man. Yes, uh, yeah, I was I mean, all the Texas guys. I mentioned Ad Mitchell. Hell, the the tight end Jatavian Sanders. I think you know it's not a big tight end group, or uh, you're not going to. It's not, I guess, as highly regarded as like last year's tight end group was when you had Kincaid and Laporta. You know, I mean, two. I mean, top top flight players. I mean, first round, second round. Uh, Jonathan Brooks, the running back. So you got basically almost like a track team coming from Texas. And uh, yes, but I, the way the only, I would favor Mitchell over worthy just because of his, his uh, he's six, four versus like you said, I mean, worthy. What do, what do they list him at? Uh, they got him at 172. But how, how tall? Oh, he's pretty he, tall. He, I mean, he's six he? one. He's six he? one. I okay. mean, that's yeah. Right. He's not, not like a five ten. But I would say Mitchell, Mitchell's a little bit taller. Maybe not quite as fast, but I think he has the speed. And uh, I don't know. And again, it may just be I saw some particular drops and it just uh, PTSD. But yeah, I, I like him. I mean, he's he, he's always been good. He's got kick return ability. He can he can do a bunch of things. So. Uh, Speaking of, of speed, and, I, and again, as you know, analytics and, and everything, not so much analytics, but but I think just using more technology, and I'm sure it's being used, but do you ever see like just GPS numbers kind of superseding what the guy's 40 time is? I mean, being able to track how fast the guy can run in games in pads with the ball in his hands without the ball in his hands and really that i think it gives a better gauge as to really game speed and how fast the guy can play right no absolutely but i think they're testing stuff like that i mean that that definitely makes more of a difference. oh yeah they were post they were posting it on the scoreboard at the senior bowl and i'm sure all the schools use it i don't know if the, if they do it in the pros i mean the next gen stats they always they post it. So I don't know if it's something that they put like if they put a chip in the guy's pads or it's just based on the videotape and they can measure it using whatever the whatever the hell they use to, to figure out how fast the guy's going, how far he's going in the X amount of time and all that good stuff. It's not a math class, but they, they, they can figure it out. Oh, they definitely can. And they used to post that even when I went to the Senior Bowl, like yeah. at that time. So, and they're still doing it. I, I think it's definitely more accurate. I mean, in terms of there have been, look, we, we talk about this every year. There's always a wide receiver that runs a 4 6 for different reasons, whether he's injured or whether he's just not that fast. And then, but he runs a very good three cone, you know, the shuttle. And then he drops somewhere to day two and then he becomes a great player and he you know uh, outplays those first round guys and so yeah it's 
it happens every year with wide receivers. So there's always there's always a team that is infatuated with speed and, and overdrafts a guy and gets him in the first round. That might not be an accurate depiction of he, he shouldn't have been a first round guy. He should have been a day two guy. And then there's some guys that just are football players and they drop to day two and then they go on to have like Hall of Fame careers. All right, couple other guys that these are just guys that I had jotted down watching uh, watching the Senior Bowl practices and then the game. Um, you've got and and one's an offensive lineman that I thought was very interesting as I kind of researched him a little bit. His name is Roger Rosengarten. He's an offensive tackle for Washington. Now he played right tackle. Of course, they had a left-handed quarterback, so he's protecting the blind side started all 28 games while he was there. Um, now he's playing opposite of Troy Fatanu, who is projected to go in the first round. But I thought this kid, you know, after watching it a little bit and, and seeing the, the practices again, just from what I could see and not really knowing what I'm looking for, but just kind of the eye test. He's an interesting one that I, I want to see how he does uh, moving forward. And then also a running back from Marshall, Rasheen Ali, that looked, I mean, productive at Marshall. Again, you're playing at a lower level division one, but whatever, you don't really see them a ton on, on television. Not going to be the headliner at any stretch, but the senior bowl looked like he might've been one of the fastest running backs and the quickest running backs there. And it's like, wow, you got to go back and look at this guy. But Rasheen Ali, I want to see, you know, how fast he runs. What does he look like, you know, catching the ball and drills? And again, not that it's going to tell you the whole story, but uh, maybe you know he catches somebody's eye and they go, somebody's eye and they go back and look at him, and he becomes uh, this year's Isaiah Pacheco. Maybe. I mean, you never know. I mean, there's plenty of uh, running backs that have gone on day three. The gone on to have extremely productive careers so yeah we'll, we'll see i mean it's always interesting though i mean the scouting combine obviously you know people are always infatuated by those 40 times and and they definitely definitely help a guy like if you run the, the easiest, fast time thing to understand yeah i guess so i mean that's it, it's a science it's yeah, it, yeah. It, it is what it is i mean people can say to you i know what i'm looking for in terms of my quarterback no they don't you don't know the patriots certainly don't know like with belichick as the head guy they didn't know how to draft wide receivers i mean come on i mean in 24 years i mean like bill belichick has been in you know a defensive coordinator a head coach he hasn't figured out like what he's looking for in a wide receiver. That I think really is Deion, amazing. Dion Branch might have been the only wide receiver they drafted high. That I mean, he wasn't like a, a huge great success, but he was reasonably good. He was a functional NFL wide receiver. Other than that, you know, no, it just never never happened. And well, I guess Julian Edelman. I guess usually, Julian Edelman. He was a seventh again, round pick. So. Yeah, but he was a quarterback coming out, you know, coming out of Kent State. He wasn't going to play quarterback in the NFL and, you know, maybe a punt return or whatever, and he turns into something. So, yeah, God bless him. They took him, and, you know, he's you – know, 
I don't know if he'll if he's in it yet, but at some point he'll be in the Patriots Hall of Fame or Ring of Honor or whatever the hell they have up there. Um, one last thing, uh, I probably missed this at the top. I, <laughs> I think we talked about it before we went on. Uh, franchise tags. Last week the window opened. So far, there's only been one officially placed. T. Higgins uh, for Cincinnati. I mean, there's been a lot of discussion around those weapons. Uh, are they going to be able to pay everybody? Uh, Obviously, they have a huge payday coming up for Jamar Chase. So this is maybe a, a stopgap for T. Higgins. I don't know if they can get a long-term deal done. I don't know if he wants a long-term deal and wants to stay there, be in the second banana, uh, especially if Burrow's going to be injured most of the time. So that, that's an interesting one to look at. Um, I think uh, Chris Ballard mentioned uh his press availability that uh, one way or another michael Pittman's going to be on their team next year so that might you might see another one there uh i think uh veach talked about legerius sneed getting tagged i uh, mentioned that earlier in the show but he's he's another potential one and you know josh allen for, with jacksonville i mean your man bulky I, I, I as soon as they were talking to him all I could think of was you, Alex, and everything he said, I had to like look at, you know, with a different vantage point, different view. Right. Uh, so there really hasn't been, you know, the, one franchise tag has, has been placed and it's uh, more of a weapon. It seems like for the front offices, uh, is it, in, does it do what it's intended to do? It just locks up players and kind of keeps, keeps salaries down if you would. But, you know, for that one year, that's a lot of guaranteed money. So, um, I don't know. You looking for anybody else to get tagged or you, you, anybody you have in mind that I didn't mention? I think we mentioned it last week. I mean, just some guys that we that we believe. I'm actually surprised that T. Higgins was tagged. I yeah. Mean, I, honestly, I, 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 obviously, they want to keep that that offense together and they believe that he can bounce back. And I guess obviously they make a great tandem with uh, Jamar chase. And then you still have Tyler Boyd, you know, probably going to replace him, but it's just, they want to keep that offensive juggernaut going, but a lot of it depends on Joe Burrow getting healthy returning. And if he does, then the Bengals are a super bowl contender. So I guess they just, they want to run it back again. All right, gang, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, we'll continue to keep an eye on uh, the comings and goings, guys getting cut, the uh, salary cap casualties, if you would. Uh, just a few here. I'm Shaq Barrett, MVS this week. But uh, the combine coming up, we'll be uh, paying a lot of attention to that this weekend. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back next week uh, talking about all of it right here on Pros Like Us. My friend Alex, I'm Lou. Till next time. Peace.